Today on the Multiply Podcast, we're talking about empowering leadership, one of our 10 characteristics of a healthy church or ministry. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. So glad you guys are with us once again. Thanks for listening in. Appreciate it. Yeah. If this is your first time, glad you're here. If you're back with us, wow, after the last podcast, I'm surprised you're here, but I'm glad you're here. Yeah. After all the nonsense that Jared said, it's, yep. a, it's a miracle that you're back. You know what? I'm. We thank God. I feel like they enjoy getting a little glimpse into you know our lives and our relationship and um, the the nonsense that exists with us. You know, what do you think? I think some do, and then some probably skip the first three minutes of every <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's true. I do that if I'm honest with some podcasts. What? There's some podcasts where I know the first seven to eight minutes is going to be them just like not not even just always shooting the breeze sometimes they're they're like promoting their stuff or whatever and i just always skip to the guest well i do skip the commercials but we don't have commercials in our podcast yet yet no we don't i do that yeah. like if i listen to one and they always have like the 2 minutes at the beginning of the oh yeah you just fast forward through yeah. that it's like i don't need a new mattress right now well and they put them in, some of them put it now in the middle of podcasts yep yeah yep and if I they're always, smart yeah but you got that little on iTunes. You got that little like thirty second skip button. Mm-hmm. I worked that thing. Best like a thing, pro. best thing they ever created. Yeah, right there. Why do you think it's thirty forward and fifteen back? I've never realized that. Yeah. I didn't know the difference. Uh, let me just check real quick to make sure I'm saying that right. Yeah, this is important. It's really important that people. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. Thirty forward and fifteen back. I don't know. I mean, I kind of like it because when you're skipping forward, you overshoot. You don't necessarily overshoot, or when you want to go back, you don't. It actually makes a lot of sense for me. But like I'm wondering like why they thought of that. Probably because most people are like you and well, they overshoot the fast forward and they gotta go back a little. But they don't want to go back all the way. Yeah. No. Yep. So mystery solved. Mystery solved, everybody. Well, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be back today recording another episode, stuff we love talking about. We love uh sharing and um for those of you who have given us feedback on the podcast, thanks so much. It's encouraging to know you're listening and that hopefully it's a benefit to you and whatever area you're leading in, um, that's why we do it. That's why we do it. We love talking and we love helping, and and so thank you so much. We tolerate each other every couple of weeks so that we can yep. help others. That's it. That's it. That's called the mission of God. That'll be on our grave tombs. Group. What is the what's C.S. Lewis? A band of natural enemies? Oh no, yeah. that's not. Is that no, C.S. Lewis? D.A. Carson. D.A. Carson. A band of natural enemies who love each other for Jesus' sake. Yeah. That's called the Multiply Podcast. Yeah. Right I think there. I said grave tombs instead of tombstones. <laughs> I just want to go back and correct that. <laughs> no, we're leaving that in. <laughs> All right. Well, we're back today. Uh, if you didn't listen to the last few podcasts, I would encourage you to do so. We're in the midst of doing uh, 10 podcasts. Each one is defining, we've defined 10 characteristics of a healthy church or ministry, and even a lot of these apply to organizations. And uh, and today we're doing a new characteristic. And so, Dave, why don't you give us a little introduction? What is this characteristic we're going to talk about today? And then give us a little definition of it. Sure. And I think today's is one of the examples of something that applies to every team, every company, every organization. This is important, whether you're in a local church or not. This is a really big deal. And uh, this characteristic of a healthy church is empowering leadership, empowering leadership. And the way that we've chosen to define empowering leadership is that empowering leadership is a relentless commitment to identify, build, and release leaders who can and will do the same. 
Let me say it again. It's a relentless commitment to identify, build, and release leaders who can and will do the same. And I know, because I know you so well, is that this is just, I mean, this is natural for you. You're one of the most gifted leaders I've been around at empowering other people to, to um, really step up and to discover things about themselves and to use their gifts in ways that are good for the team and the church. And so um, when we talk about this, let's just start with this question. In your experience leading in different churches and different organizations, why is this a characteristic of a healthy church? Why is it so important? Yeah, I think it's I think it's so important because it's so in line with the mission of God. Like that's, from a church perspective, that's how I see it of like, this is, there's so much connection and interplay between this and disciple making, you know what I mean? And um, that I really view it as this is the mission is like empowering leadership is about helping people discover their mission and their unique mission and then encouraging them and equipping them, strengthening them in their ability to accomplish that mission and releasing them to do it. Like that's so in line with what making disciples is all about that I think it's essential. And then, of course, there's the organizational piece, which is the better leaders you have around you, the more healthy your organization is going to be, the better your organization is going to be, the more it's going to thrive. And so there's reasons to do it just as far as um, wanting to create a healthy organization. But for a church perspective, I feel like it's so important because this is the mission of God. Mm -hmm. I think it taps into people's natural desire to do something that matters with their life and make a difference, right? So at Trinity, one of our values is empowering uh, other people. And we talk about the difference between recruiting volunteers versus releasing leaders. We want to have a culture where we're not simply recruiting volunteers, kind of asking people to serve our agenda and our plan, but we want to release people to lead in the way that God has wired them to lead. So serving the local church or being empowered as a leader is not simply about um, having more people that are willing to do more things at the church so the church can run. It's about every individual becoming fully what God created him or her to be. And that's really our responsibility, right? I mean, in Ephesians, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, there's that famous verse where Paul talks about how God gave to the church these gifts, apostles, prophets, and teachers, and pastors, and evangelists, and ultimately to do what? In verse, uh, verse 12 says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attained to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And, you know, goes on and on. Paul is doing one of his epic run-on sentences here, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But sometimes there's this mentality that God has given the church pastors to do the ministry. What mm. is Paul saying here in your perspective that maybe counter that uh, mindset? Yeah, I think the I think the counter to that mindset is we, we sometimes think that as pastors are like Moses, go up on the mountain, get the word from God, go tell everybody what to do. And ultimately, um, everyone's job is just to look to you mm. and watch you. And I think the role of a pastor, as Paul lays it out, is to, in, in a lot of ways, we're called to recognize the unique gifting and mission in people's lives, the things God's called them to, because they're going to go to places and be in areas and have influence in ways that we will not. And so we're called to recognize that, raise that level in them, help them to see it, um, help create the the characteristics and the strengths that they need to be able to live that out and release them to do it and then celebrate that, you know? And that's really what our job is, is to raise the missional awareness, the missional functionalness, if you could say that, like the people's ability to do well and operating in their mission and release them and celebrate them, you know? Yeah. 
Why do we struggle with this? I mean, I think most leaders would sit around a room and say, yep, this is important. We got to raise up leaders. We got to develop leaders. We have to empower people. What are the big obstacles in our hearts that uh, either our hearts or our hands and that it's a spiritual heart issue maybe, or also what are some of our limitations when it comes just to our skill level when when we talk about empowering leaders? So first thing that comes to my mind, and this is actually one of the first things that I think is essential in empowering leaders or developing leaders is um, you got to be able to recognize people's potential Mm. and leaders have a hard time. I think some leaders have a hard time with that. It's easy to recognize someone who's great. It's a lot harder to recognize people's potential and to kind of like, because potential means that they're probably not really good yet. Yeah. But in a way, not to over-spiritualize it, but to kind of see them in the way that God maybe does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or the to, way Christ saw his disciples. Right. And I think that's a that's easier said than done for a lot of people. It's hard for a lot of leaders to... So they look at the, they look at an 18-year-old and go, this kid is immature. This kid is stupid. Look what he's posting on Instagram. <laughs> look what he's doing here. And it's hard for them to see a picture of what that kid could look like in two, three, four, five years. Um and that sometimes seems overwhelming, that process, right? But I think so, So number one, that's why it's hard. Can that be learned? Like, can, I don't can, know. I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know. There's, there's probably a lot of people that are way smarter in leadership than I am that can answer that. I mean, I do think that's one thing I'm good at, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't know if I learned that somewhere along the line or if it's just like something that has always been within me. I'm not sure. And, so. and maybe... In some people, it's their story that shapes the way they look at other people's stories, right? So if you were somebody who somebody saw a lot of potential in you when you were nobody, so to speak, and they spoke life into you and it was really instrumental, then that might shape you to see people that way also. And and so maybe that's true. part of the solution as far as it being a gospel issue is reminding ourselves that God, you know, while we were his enemies, Christ died for us, that God saw in us what, you know, in our depravity he saw uh, what we could be to bear his, who we could be in bearing his image well and accomplishing his mission. So there may even just be some gospel reminders we need to pull in our hearts regularly to say, God, you saw me in my mess yeah, and you loved me and you loved me into purpose and value and worth. And I want to be about the same thing you're about. Yeah, I can see that. I think that's so true. Because if you were to, if my like 14, 15, 16 year old self were to look at the main things that I do now for a job, I mean, I was terrible at all of them. I they, these would be the least gifted, you know. It's like, oh, now you get you got to go on stage and talk in front of two thousand kids. I was deathly afraid of talking in front of people. Like, so all a lot of the stuff that I have to do now was in no way my gifting. So now I look back on it and I feel like this is all God. Like God just did a cool thing in my life. So I think that you're probably right. Like maybe that's made me more in tune with not needing to see a finished package, but understanding like, oh my gosh, I was so far from, like no one would have looked at me and been like, yep, most likely to be a pastor. Most, You know what I mean? Yeah. No one would have thought that. So Yeah. What are what other obstacles come to mind? Well, I think um, insecurity is a big one, of course. So it's, I think one of the essential principles um, to developing leaders is a genuine desire to see that leader succeed above a lot of other things, even even potentially at your own expense, like your own perceived success. So my personal feeling is great leaders are taking the blame and giving away all the credit. Mm-hmm. The language that they use, you can tell a lot by the language a leader uses, 
when they're talking and if they use I language mm. versus we language, it says a lot. Like I'll pick, I pick up on that stuff. Like how, yeah, I, yeah, I did this or, uh, my church or those, those kind of language versus, um, we, our team, this, that matters. And for some people that's more natural than others, but everybody can, you can work at that. Yeah. You I know? think great leaders publicly affirm their team and then privately provide direction and guidance and even correction at times, right? Cause it can't just be affirmation and, and 100%. You know, there has to be times where as a great leader, you're bringing correction and clarity. Um, but where you do it, your timing, your tone, those things really matter. And you know, what we're really saying here is that um, great leaders don't just create followers. They develop other leaders, right? It's one thing to have a bunch of people that will follow you. Yeah. It's another thing to develop leaders around you. So, yeah, I think insecurity is a big one. One one that comes to mind for me is just the work it takes to develop leaders, right? Yeah. It's, it's, there's, a, there's an old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And it's kind of inspiring. It's like, yeah, we're a team. We're going to go far. But the other part's true also. If you want to go fast, go alone. And some guys just want to go fast. Yeah. They're not thinking about having a long vision. They're thinking about having a big vision, you know, sort of a explosive impact vision, not thinking about 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road, what's this going to look like? So there is something about, and I think I struggle with this, there are things I can do faster on my own without somebody sort of slowing me down and me having to take the time to explain it to them. You know, yeah. it's like having children and they want to they want to help you wash the dishes or they want to help you mow the lawn or they want to help you build something. You're like, they're not really helping. They're yeah. actually slowing you down. But in the process, they're learning. And so, yeah. so what's, true. what's the greater good? Uh, yeah. Slower work, but more learning environment and more development and empowering of leaders or quicker work in isolated environments. Yeah. That's a real challenge. Yeah, and some of that is is based in insecurity, right? Like, so as a leader, I'm insecure of what people are going to perceive if I, if if maybe some of the excellence drops because I'm allowing these these people to have opportunities and to lead in areas. And so, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to, what are they going to think of the ministry or the church that I lead? And so, you know what, I better just do it myself because I can do it better. And so I think we got to root that stuff out in our lives. And obviously we want to do everything, everything we do with quality, but um, we've got to balance that with understanding that we've got to develop leaders. And, um, and a lot of times the reason we don't is because we're insecure about what people think about us or we're insecure that um, sometimes that people will perceive that leader as being better than us at mm. a certain thing. Yeah which I feel like should be a celebrated win. I agree. I agree. You know, when people around you succeed and win, it's if, if you have humility and if you understand the bigger purpose, that's not about me winning. It's about us working together to see God's kingdom come. Then you can celebrate that, you know. And also you have to change. You have to address the culture of the organization and the perspective of leadership, too, from within your church. So sometimes when pastors back off of certain tasks and raise up other people to do it, there can be this sort of mentality of like, we pay you yeah. to do that. Yep. Like, and you're better at that than this person that we just had to listen to preach. We'd rather listen to you preach every single week. Yep. And so you have to continually be shaping the culture of your church and the understanding of your people so that they realize this is what the win is, not having the most proficient um you know, articulate message delivered every Sunday, but creating space for people to use their gifts. Now, there is wisdom, of course, and I think 
and where you start to use people, right? Can you speak to that as far as like when you empower leaders, how do you set them up to succeed but not put them in an environment where it's like almost too big for their, for their, um, where they're at in their journey? Yeah. Well, you got to, number one, you have to know their gifts. You got to know what they're good at because there's different, we kind of always think of empowering leaders as like the public space they're going to be preaching or they're going to be doing this, but there's different type of leadership that you can equip and empower. So understanding their gifts and not putting them in, places that they're not gifted at. Now that's different than that's different than things that they're just haven't g- reached their full potential in. Mm. But there's certain things that we're just not gifted at. Like nobody should ever make me o- overseeing their detail accountant stuff. Like if you want me if you put me in that role, you are a very poor evaluator of the things that I'm good at, right? So and 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 I don't need you to develop me by putting me there and going, hey, I just believe you're the best person. No, 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 I'm not the best person for that job. And so I think there's difference in recognizing the things that you're good at um, versus seeing potential in people. So that's the first step. And when you put someone in the, those positions, you actually can do harm to them because you you set them up for failure in a lot of ways, and it's very discouraging, you know? Yeah. So I think it's a tricky balance of recognizing what they're good at and then putting them in positions that challenge them and push them. They will probably fail, but they fail forward. I don't know who, who coined that phrase, but they fail in a way that propels them forward. And then you can love on them, encourage them, speak truth into them. And so the next time they're, they're, they're gaining more, they're learning more wisdom and insight. Um, and so I think, I think those are some of the keys. Yeah. When I think of um, empowering leaders and delegating things, because part of this is delegation. And I think we did a whole podcast on delegation, but the idea of empowering people, not just to do tasks, but to feel the weight of the responsibility of what has to happen and to also carry with them the authority to make the decisions necessary. Right. So, and then communicate that that has been handed to that person, to the entire team. So they don't, so other team members don't feel like they're overstepping their boundaries. So they know that so-and-so is responsible to make sure this happens. And within those responsibilities and parameters, they get to make some important decisions. So empowering leaders is not just handing tasks off, is it? It's actually putting people in real life crisis, time specific challenges where they have to make some real decisions. Yeah. Yep. And, when and I, trusting them to... Yeah. And then dealing with the results, right? Yep. So I, I, I think of like when I try to delegate things and I have a lot of growth to do in this area, there's five things I want to do. I'll just say them to you real quick and you tell me if there's anything else that you would think of or push back on. The first thing is I always want to connect whatever it is that I'm they're, asked, they're being asked to do with the vision of our church or our mission. In some way, I want them to see it's part of something bigger than just the task they're being asked to do. This is how it helps us. Mm. Secondly, I want to provide as much clarity as I can as to what the assignment is. Nothing more frustrating than to be asked to do something and not be sure what you've been asked to do, right? Third, I want to make sure that they have access to the tools they need. It doesn't mean that I'm the tool, so to speak, that they're going to use, but they know where to get those resources, that they have what they need to accomplish what they've been asked to do. The other thing I want to provide is encouragement, and then finally I want to provide feedback. And I want them to know up front, this feedback's coming. So when we sit down a couple of days after this uh, event or after you go on stage and do the announcements or preach or whatever, I want you to know in advance we're having this conversation. Because if, if it's after the fact, if it's reactive and not proactive, even if in your head you knew all along you are going to do it, but to them it feels reactive, they're going to feel like this is a punitive conversation. But when you say up front, hey, two days after you preach, let's have coffee and let's debrief, then it's already on the calendar and it doesn't feel reactive. It feels proactive. It doesn't feel punitive. It feels like it's part of a development strategy. Yeah. 
no, I think those are good. And, and those, you know, knowing, working with you, knowing with you for years, those are definitely things that you did. And, um, and I think that's huge. Um, I think the only potential thing that could happen if you only employ those five things mm-hmm. is it could feel stale. If there's not a, if there's not a deep relationship and one of my, one of my convictions, I know people have disagree on this and, um, would, would not believe in this, but one of my convictions is like, I want to be friends with the people I work with. And so if you do those five things without a relationship and without people feeling like you care more about them than the task you're assigning, it, the potential is it could feel like just a, a, a task being assigned versus no, this is like, I really want to develop you. I really want to see this in you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I would say is like, you've got to attach that to deep relationship, which takes time. It takes effort, it takes energy, it takes opening your life up, all of those things. And ultimately you got to value wanting, I think to a certain level, you got to value being friends and knowing the people that you work with and you're sure. with. I mean, I don't know there's another way around that if you want to try to create a culture, you know? Yeah. I guess there's an interesting conversation or discussion as it relates to the size of the organization, the, the, the goal of the organization within a local church. It might be different than running a business. And I, we were just talking. I read an article on uh, Harvard Business Review earlier this week that talked about the danger of being friends with people who um, you manage and lead because sometimes that friendship can be taken advantage of when it comes. This article was specific to the idea of hitting deadlines, yeah. right? So it kind of turns into this, come on, we're buddies. I mean, we were out together the other night. You understand. Right. So can I have another day? And then as a friend, you're kind of torn now between the whole friend and and boss or, boss or friend in authority. And so I think there are some tensions to work out. Mm-hmm. But I certainly think that within the local church dynamic, there's something that binds us together that's even stronger than just sort of affinity or things that we have in common with each other, that, which most friendships are built around. It's this whole shared love for Jesus and his mission. And so... On one hand, I 100% agree that there has to be a genuine care, concern, and appreciation for the people that you're developing. Um, do I have to hang out with them outside of the church all the time and be buddies with them? I wouldn't necessarily feel that way, but I know that's been your experience, and that's worked very well for you. Yeah. I mean, here's why I think it's true, and I think it works, is because in my experience, people will give way more of themselves, way more time, energy to the task and mission when they believe that you genuinely care about their their life, their family. You like you love them and care about them. I've seen people give for no pay. Like volunteers give way. I mean, above and beyond what paid staff would give because they feel loved and and cared about. People that uproot their whole lives, right, and volunteer to be part of a church plan or something. Why? It's because they know that the person leading that organization like loves them, cares about them, cares about their family. And then vice versa, you look at maybe a senior leader who um, creates the impression that they maybe they're nickel and diming every little thing. Maybe they're not generous with time off or they're not being sensitive to family time. Maybe the um, maybe even with pay and all that kind of stuff, there just becomes a culture of like, um, no, we don't really value. Those people, I'm telling you right now, will give you way less. They sure. just will because yeah. they feel like I've got to fight for myself and I've got to fight for my family because you're not doing it for me. So for me to have that, to have a friendship and a relationship and to people know like I so love and care about you and the deadlines are important, but what's more important is how I feel about you. And, and I can have those tough conversations of like, bro, you got to get this done. 
to me, I don't know. I think you get way more out of people, and that's been that's been my experience. Yeah, you know? I definitely agree. I I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and I definitely think knowing your people well enough to understand what they care about and being able to connect what their sort of personal life vision is with the vision of the church and helping to see how those things work together so that they can make a difference and feel satisfied and also be known relationally. Um, you know, I, I think, um, I mean, maybe we'll do a whole podcast on this sometime and get some other voices to weigh in because I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying in theory. I think in practice it can look a lot of different ways based on the personality of the leader, based on the size of the organization, the goals, the vision, the mission of the company or whatever. I think it can look differently. Um, I think the benefit of having those sort of friendships, despite the leadership position that you might hold over somebody, is you may get some more honesty out of them in certain ways that you wouldn't outside of relationship. You know, yeah. friends may feel like they can be a little more honest. It just requires a good leader, I guess, to navigate the dynamics of where, not where is the line, but when do you have to kind of lead less as a friend and more as a Right. Authority. Well, and I know that's one of the concerns. We won't spend a lot of time, but I know that's one of the concerns is like, right, well, if we're friends, then they won't understand my authority. That's just not been my experience. And I wonder if part of that is because part of that comes to picking the right leaders. Sure. So if you pick the wrong leaders who don't um, respect you and view you in that relationship, yeah, it's going to be a disaster. But I think if you pick the right leaders, I've never had that. I've never had the experience where it's like, hey, bro, you remember I'm in charge. Like, there becomes a, a love and respect, and um, it's just not been an issue. I don't yeah. know. And and so I feel like if you've got a lord over, if you've got a lord your authority over somebody, then that's a discipleship issue, and maybe they're either not right leader or there's just some more work to be done. You know? Sure. You know, we got to wrap this up, but when you walk into a church for the first time, and you do this now at times because of the position you serve in, what are some easy to identify and this is going to be a surprise question for you. We didn't talk about this before, but um, what are some easy to identify things that kind of reveal to you whether or not it's a church that empowers leaders? Can you think of some things that you notice when you walk into a church? Hundred percent. How how busy is how busy and distracted is the the main leader? Hmm. You know, so that's a that's a big sign. Like how are they frantically running all over the place doing it? And sometimes there's unique moments. Sure, there's disasters that happen. There's yeah. You know, so I totally understand that. But on the regular, um, if you're the main leader and you're constantly running and gunning, and um, so that's one. The other one is, um, do people are people making decisions free from having to run every single thing by you? That's good. That's a big one. You yeah, know? yeah, that's good. Um, one thing you can look at that's easy to notice is who's on stage. Isn't one person on stage the whole service except for maybe the songs the singing yeah. time? You know, who are you raising up to do other things like to greet the guest or to receive the offering? And, yep. and uh, you know, what, what, sort of, uh, what sort of interaction do you have with leaders? Do they, do they feel like they're empowered to lead and to make decisions or do they just feel like they're stuck in a place where they're doing a specific task yeah. and nothing more than that? Yeah. One other, one other kind of practical thing that I would say, and I don't want people to overthink this, but if you're kind of wondering what's the dynamic of my team, there's something telling about Here's a little practical a practical assignment, right? Next time you do a staff meeting, be the first person. Be, if you're the senior leader, sit down first. Is your staff eager to sit near you, or do they tend to sit far away from you? Hmm. I think you can actually tell a lot about the dynamic. And I don't say that to discourage a senior leader, but to but to unpack the real culture that, that exists. 
Um, I think that says a lot. Do people want to sit next to you? Do they feel comfortable in that position? Or does it feel more like, oh, that's the boss. I can't get too close to him. Yeah. Um, so just you can tell a lot. And, and if you notice those social settings and you observe those, I think you can pick up on some of the culture of, of, uh, of your staff. So Yeah. And I sat down first today, and you're on the opposite side of the table for I'm, me. I'm as far away as I can. Yep. There's a lot more we could say about leadership development and leadership empowerment, including conversations about leadership pipelines and stuff like that. And that's really one of the big focuses of our entire podcast. So we'll, yeah. we'll spare you all that time. You can listen in on other episodes where we talk about leadership. But this is such a non-negotiable for healthy churches, healthy teams, healthy organizations. You've got to develop leaders around you, raise them up, empower them, and let them succeed. Let them win and celebrate them. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Sure. Well, we're going to end with our David's Each portion, and today we're going to ask a really simple question, Dave. What's the best thing you've eaten in the past week? Well, there's a new Vietnamese restaurant in Liverpool, New York, where you and I both reside, and it's called Saigon Vietnamese Well, we don't Kitchen. reside in the restaurant, but... In Liverpool, we reside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You made I it would, seem like we live in oh, the restaurant. Oh, I would... I would not be opposed to residing <laughs> in this restaurant. Just rent a room yeah. down in the basement. It's not like the best Vietnamese food I've ever had in my life, but for the suburbs and for close and for uh, easy to get to, it's 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 good. And uh, I had some pho, which I know it's P-H-O, and there's always this ongoing conversation about how do you pronounce it, but I'm 99% sure. It's not pronounced It's not pho, poo. it's pho. It's not poo, it's not pho, it's not pho, <laughs> it's pho. <laughs> And uh, it's it's a Vietnamese soup with usually with noodles in it, and this had some rice noodles in it, and it came with pork ribs, so tender, mm. so to fall off the bone, uh, pork ribs in the soup, in the soup, wow, uh, shrimp, big shrimp, okay, so two pork ribs, three shrimp, it had some uh, some squid, mm. and it had a quail egg. Oh my! In it, this, this little, is a fancy this little, little like fancy little lunch here. Yeah, and then it comes with a side of like Thai basil and bean sprouts and lime and stuff. And um, my mouth is watering because it's eleven oh nine a.m. here, which means it's almost lunchtime for us. <laughs> and uh, I loved it, man. I, I love, of course, you know, as I think a lot of our listeners know, I'm half Korean, so I love Asian food. And um, this is just a great bowl of soup, especially on a cold day, which we've had a lot of them recently, despite the fact that it's almost May. Yeah, I almost feel uncomfortable sitting next to you when you really get going about a food dish. I feel like I should just leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is the Multiply Podcast. We'll see you next time.